attention, please. This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive 3 until 6 p.m. weekdays on the Sports Hub. I love it. It's brilliant. I'm back from vacation. Kimba Walker's no longer a Hornet. And the rest of the NBA world is waiting on Kawhi Leonard, who fittingly appears to be off the grid. Also, there's a new Kawhi sound that's going viral right now on the internet, and we'll get to that in a minute. But I just can't get past how badly Charlotte botched things with the franchise's best player ever. ever. Other than Bobby Phil's death and the team moving out of Charlotte to New Orleans, I think yesterday was the darkest day in Hornets history. Being incompetent is far worse than being irrelevant. It's much more heartbreaking to have greatness on your roster, in your presence, and still not be able to achieve than not having it at all. That's why I say NC State fans have had it a lot worse than, say, in the NFL Cleveland Browns fans. The Browns never had a shot. You can't really raise up your hopes if you're no if you have no talent, if you have no hope. NC State has that, and they just continually get kicked in the nether regions time and time again. The Charlotte Hornets had an all NBA player on their roster and could do nothing with it. He said he'd take less publicly in the media. And Charlotte They offered him less, to the tune of $50 million less than the Supermax. And that's okay if you want to completely strip it down and not have these massive contracts on the books while Nick Batum and Marvin Williams and Cody Zeller are still on the payroll. But coincidentally, with the news of Kemba signing with the Boston Celtics, you signed the backup point guard for Boston, who started 30 games last year, Scary Terry Rozier, to $20 million a year. $20 million a year. And I know what you might be thinking. You have to do that. You have to salvage something. Charlotte, it, it's a smaller market franchise. If you lose the franchise's best player, it's going to be debilitating for you especially if you have bad contracts on the books. How can anybody expect to have success in the situation the Hornets are in? Then I see a headline an hour after Kimball Walker signs with the Celtics and we get scary Terry Rozier. I see that the Miami Heat are landing Jimmy Butler. I don't know how they did it because the only team in the NBA that had worse contracts than the Charlotte Hornets and were average were the Miami Heat. They get Jimmy Butler, and then they find a way to move what was seen to be an unmovable contract in Hassan Whiteside today in return for Myers Leonard, who had great postseason games for a team that was in the Western Conference Finals, and Mo Harkless, going back to Miami. I mean, does it sound familiar to you? A smaller market franchise losing the franchise's best player Has an NBA legend running the show with bad contracts? Does that sound familiar at all? That's that's what happened with both the Miami Heat and the Charlotte Hornets. The Hornets are imploding while the Miami Heat are rebuilding and building a better team despite the fact they have bad contracts. And to consider the historical aspect here of what's happened with Kimball Walker and how just embarrassing it was that Charlotte equipped him with absolutely nothing. In the last five years, Kimba Walker, with his All-NBA nod this year, is just the third All-NBA player to not play for a playoff team. The others, LeBron James this year with the Lakers, and DeMarcus Cousins with the Sacramento Kings. Kimba is just the third All-NBA player in the last five years to to not make the postseason. They did almost nothing with the franchise's best player in the last eight years. Just two playoff appearances. They didn't equip him with help. Al Jefferson, easily Kimba's best teammate. He's had in his time in Charlotte. He was there for just three years. 
Des, you're a bigger Hornets fan than I am. I don't even consider myself a Hornets fan. I believe you're not entitled to support. You have to earn it, and the Hornets have not done that. The Bobcats did not do that. So, no, I don't call myself a Hornets fan. You do. Aside from Al Jefferson, who's the next best teammate Kimball Walker's had the last eight years? Is it Jeremy Lamb? Is it DJ Augustine? Is it the corpse of Ben Gordon running around? Who Who is... Kimball Walker's second best teammate he's had in the last eight years. It probably is Jeremy Lamb. You know, the thing that bothers me the most with all of this is the fact that if the the Hornets were not going to offer Kimba a Supermax deal, even if, like, let's say before they found out he was even on the All-NBA team and the discussion was out there, if he gets there and he's going to qualify for this, if they knew at that moment they weren't going to offer him a Supermax, then that means that the only reason why he stayed on this roster throughout the entire year is because we were hosting the All-Star game, and he got named to the All-Star team as a starter. And Michael Jordan sent him out to all the different uh, belks and shoe stores and stuff throughout Charlotte on press appearances throughout that entire weekend as a host, and that was the reason why they kept him. So to me, (laughs) as a Hornets fan, seriously, as a Hornets fan, I just feel kind of like, what is going on? You're making me laugh, though. You're making me laugh because here's the thing. Are you suggesting... That he was kept on the roster because of All-Star Weekend. Just just a, a, a basic question. Yes or no? Yes. Do you think that factored into this? Which then, you have to look back to what happened two years ago with HB2 moving the All-Star game. Mm-hmm. Is HB2 at least in part to blame for the Hornets not getting anything back for Kimball Walker? I, no, I blame entirely Michael Jordan for that. I mean, th- well, this well stuff, I know, but what know. I'm saying is, if the All Star game was a 2017 rather than 2019, maybe what you're suggesting does not happen. Possibly. And Charlotte moves them last summer, possibly because he wouldn't have been on that All Star team in 2017. And I guarantee you that Jordan made money All Star weekend from all the events and everything for Jordan Brand and everything else, and they trotted Kimball Walker out there. Like it, it just kind of sunk in over the weekend. Like they never had any interest in. And bringing Kemba back, if he wasn't going to take what was it one sixty over five years that they were offering, that's well, only one sixty over five years, yeah. which is fifty one million short of what the supermax is. Michael Jordan, I'm I'm tired of people saying Charlotte's too small. It's a small market franchise. All this stuff. You're Michael bleeping Jordan. There's a million people if Pat, to live if there. Pat yeah. Riley, if pa- it's the ninth most populous city in the country. Thank you. <laughs> if if Pat Riley has enough name power to get meetings with Kevin Durant a few years ago, to get meetings with Jimmy Butler, to, to, to have someone, Jimmy Butler, want to meet with Pat Riley in the name of culture, even though they have bad contracts. If they have the name power, I don't want to hear excuses for Michael Jordan. This is a slap in the face to Charlotte Hornets fans. Oh, yeah. it, it's a slap in the face, and I think I think you just pay, you have to pay Kimball Walker to show fans that you care more than Kimba Walker, it's it's to show fans that you give a damn. Who, who, it is because you've never entered the luxury tax. You never did. So now the perception is that you're an owner that's not willing to spend, even though we know you're a billionaire. We know what your competitive nature is. We saw it first and foremost, and it, it's just been an absolute utter. Disaster. Again, I'll say it. You're not entitled to support uh, to support in sports. You're not entitled to it. It has to be earned. And if it was me, if I called myself a Hornets fan, I wouldn't give them a penny. You could tweet the show at Sports Hub Triad, 336-777-1600. Got a little worked up there. Brian Geisinger okay. from accsports.com going to join us in just a bit. We'll continue talking about Kemba and talking about what's happening in NBA free agency. We're still all waiting for Kawhi Leonard. I don't know how he's going to announce his decision. Is it going to be by carrier pigeon? Is he going to do it on MySpace? Somebody said he was going to announce his decision on PBS. I actually had to look it up to make sure that wasn't actually the case. I actually... Uh, I like that laugh more than the original, if I'm being honest. That, that laugh's great. Almost as good as the original, if not better. Kawhi is the only one that could do this because I mean, you basically have two that or three. Laugh? No, not that. The, the what he's doing, like everyone signed. 
what was it, like $2 billion got exchanged or signed off on in the first like 90 minutes of free agency yesterday. Kawhi's the only player out there that can make the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Raptors basically do nothing because they're waiting on him. And he's all like, well, I'll let you know after the 4th of July. Well, no, I mean, we actually (laughs) actually have that sound. You just played it. Here's what Kawhi says to anybody who suggests he has to sign yesterday. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Had to sign yesterday. We do have new Kawhi Leonard sound, though. This has gone viral. I wasn't on the air last week, so we weren't able to capitalize on this the way that we uh, normally do around here. Serge Ibaka is very, um, very present on social media, and he was sitting next to Kawhi Leonard. You're going to hear a nickname that's terrific for Kawhi. And Kawhi giving us another soundbite that is absolute gold. I'm here with Fun Guy. We're tomorrow. Fun Guy, what's up, baby? What it do, baby? Yeah, you already know. Just isolate that part at the end there. Kawhi, what he had to say. Fun Guy's great. That's what I'm going to call him from now on. Fun Guy. Fun and guy. Fun Guy came through just with this line that now everybody is turning into Twitter accounts and... Now, this is just a way of life, what Kawhi said here. What it do, baby? Yeah, you already know. Heck, Brian Windhorse even had a crack at this. The guy from ESPN trying to channel his inner Kawhi. This is from yesterday, that five-hour show that ESPN put on. What it do, baby? What what it do, baby? <laughs> if, if you're trying to come up with the most Caucasian-sounding clip ever, like... If I came to the table with this, could you beat me? What do you do, baby? The the caucasity of the uh, caucasity <laughs> of that clip right there. Just the way that he delivered it. What do you do, baby? I'm, I'm... He sounds like me after about five rum and cokes at the bar. I walk up, I walk up to a lady, and I just tell her, "What do you do, baby?" <laughs> I'm sad to admit. That out of the five hours of coverage ESPN had on yesterday, I was pretty much glued to the TV for about Come four on. and a half hours of it. I couldn't Come help on. it. There was nothing else on, and it was it was it was just it was crazy. Like you were better suited following just Woj's Twitter I know, account more I know. than <laughs> watching the coverage. That's what I did. I was sitting on my couch, just staring at your with phone. my phone, just refreshing. Woj's Twitter account. That's all I was doing. Oh my gosh! It's you crazy. are listening to the drive. Broadcast live at the law offices of Timothy D. Wellborn Studios. Learn about the ways Tim Wellborn can help you. Online at timwellborn.com. You'll know when you need us. Up next, the biggest badass in American sports. This is The Drive. Okay, here we go. This is The Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. I made a poor mistake breaking one of my greatest rules on Friday afternoon. Desmond was filling in for me, and I was in the triad at a soccer pub watching the U.S. women's national team advance past the hosting French squad into the Final Four, into the semifinals for the World Cup, and... I'm going to be honest. I was on vacation. I was a couple deep. I was a couple drinks deep, and I started tweeting. That's that's never good. That that's usually the rules. When I'm talking and cultivating uh, sources, when I'm speaking to people who know things, a rule that I have is: if alcohol is involved, everything's off the record. If there are beers involved. Everything's off the record. This isn't going to make it on the radio. This isn't going to make it on Twitter. This is not anything I'm going to tell anybody else. That's a rule of thumb. One of my other rules is when you're tweeting, when you're drinking, do not open your Twitter account because that leads to poor results. And I got caught up in American fever. I was excited. The United States, they scored five minutes in, and it was Megan Rapino. Megan Rapino sending in that free kick that nobody touched, and it went through to the back of the net. And then she scored again. And I got goaded on social media into saying that if the United States women's soccer team wins the World Cup for the second consecutive tournament, 
that I would dye my hair purple like Megan Rapino for a week. I said it on social media, and now I feel like I have to stick to this. Can I, can I say there's an alcoholic loophole? Can I say, yeah, but there, there, there were beers involved with the tweet. Is, is that fair, or am I completely linked to this now? Uh, I think you're linked to it. <laughs> like, I mean... Desmond Johnson producing intern Aaron in here as well. I, I, I'm somebody who's going to follow through on my word. How long, I am. How long does it have to be purple for? I said a week. A week. Is that possible? I don't know. I don't know how it works. <laughs> That's why I'm asking you. See, this is another Caucasian question because I have no idea how this works with air dye. Either you or Aaron. Either you or Aaron. Do do some homework for me. Figure out if there is a dye of sorts that will make my hair purple, but just for a week. Okay, because here's it. what I fear. It is July the 1st, and it's a big month for us here at the Sports Hub. We're going to be celebrating a one-year anniversary, even though I'm not that big into anniversaries, this show being on the air. But we're a few weeks away. It's amazing. We're a little over two weeks away from ACC Football Media Days in Charlotte. We're, we're two and a half weeks away from that. And, the, what, what, and then after that, the Wyndham Championship starts at the very end of this month in Greensboro. So the worst thing that could happen is the United States wins the World Cup, I pay pay off this bet with purple hair like Megan Rapino. then I'm going to meet with Dabo Sweeney and Phil Mickelson with my hair purple. See, That's not what I want. This Okay, so this is a perfect time for us to sit down and have a talk, Josh, because you get yourself in these situations all the time. But this isn't a bet. This isn't a bet. This is me. It's like a proclamation. It's jubilation. It's I want to see the United States team win. I'm in love with Megan Rapino, and this this seems like something I can do as a way to celebrate with this team, to mark this moment. I've never dyed my hair any color. I didn't participate in the, the, the blonde tips movement with <laughs> like NSYNC and Justin Timberlake now that's 15 years ago. Said. You should have said you I, would did that instead of the hair purple. Well, no, the point is Megan Rapino has the purple hair. The frosted tips, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever participate in that? No, I had a friend no, that went. That seems like a like Caucasian Cisco. thing. That, I think that is a straight Caucasian thing. We're we're starting off with a lot of uh, Caucasian. Well, it today. depends it's what okay. kind of fr- <laughs> it depends what kind of frosted tips you're talking about. <laughs> like Lance Bass, Justin Timberlake, frosted tips. Yeah. Like that? Well, there's there's you can there's pull that off. Kind of frosted tips too. Uh, <laughs> Brian Geisinger going to be with us in just a little bit. So, what have we found about dying hair? Like. Will I have to worry that the dye is going to stay in there too long? If if you have any information on this, 336-777-1600, on Twitter at Sports Hub Triad, I'd really appreciate some help here. So far, I can I can see that there are products available that advertise temporary hair color. So all okay. the color without the commitment. It's like a spray or I something? I just don't, I don't, there's so much, and I don't see any time spans. I'm sure there's like... Stuff that you know, these kids have stuff for Halloween and goth kids and stuff. They're putting junk in their hair all the time oh, yeah. and getting well, it out. So I'm sure there's something you can like temporarily spray in your hair and wash it out, right? We'll do what we need to do to make sure you get that nice purple tone there, Josh. Megan Rapino, she is an American badass. I'd say she's the most badass American athlete we have right now. She is among the best we have in the way that she's a bo- both a rebel and an activist a celebrity with social conscience, the purple hair, the brash public persona in the media. She reminds me of a rock and roll singer, like the lead singer in a band where she's an excellent performer, but you always you always have to listen to what she has to say because you don't know quite what it's going to be and how she's going to deliver it. Now, I set that all up to ask a question is it strange how many people are upset with Megan Rapino and her stance politically? Remember, the facts are important here. A few months ago, she was quoted saying, I wouldn't go to the bleeping White House. She's not a fan of the occupant in the White House. She would not visit that, uh, the, the White House if she was invited after a World Cup win. That's what she said. 
That was months ago. It wasn't right before the tournament. It certainly wasn't during the tournament. But those comments continued to come back because in the past, Megan Rapino knelt during the national anthem right after Colin Kaepernick began doing so with the San Francisco 49ers. But there are rules in place saying that players can't kneel for the anthem for the U.S. national team. You can't do that. So Rapino hasn't been doing that. Instead, she hasn't had her hand over her heart and hasn't sang the song as the rest of her teammates do for the U.S. team. As you can expect, people were pretty charged up about this. I think this is ridiculous. Being upset. I'm not even talking about her political stance. If you don't like that, fine. I just don't happen to care. I'm one of the most politically uh, or, or the most apolitical people you would ever meet. I, Tom Brady, he, he says he, he's, he, he likes Trump. Tiger Woods golfed with him. Robert Kraft, close buddy, buddy. I don't care what their political affiliation is. That does not bother me. Megan Rapinoe saying that she doesn't like Donald Trump. That does nothing for me here. But here's how I know the argument's ridiculous. People saying, oh, she doesn't have her hand over her heart. She's not singing the national anthem. It's ridiculous, unlike the Kaepernick stuff. It's ridiculous because if we didn't connect the past details of her saying that she wouldn't visit the White House and that she knelt for the anthem after Colin Kaepernick started doing so a couple years ago. If we didn't have that past information, we would not notice whether she had her hand over her heart or was singing the song. Do we really care that she's not singing the song or has her hand over her heart? She's not kneeling during the anthem. She's not She's simply not singing the song and doesn't have her hand over her heart. How ridiculous is it for us to suggest that she has to do these things or else she's unpatriotic? The the whole point that she's treasonous somehow for doing this. There were a bunch of people rooting for France because of Megan Rapino not having her hand over her heart and singing the anthem. Meanwhile, over half the people in their in the stands have their hands in their pocket aren't singing the song, might be checking their phone, might be scratching uh, their back, might might race from their seat to get to, con- uh, get to the concession stand to beat a crowd for a moment. I'd, I'd say over half the people aren't standing there with their hand over their heart singing the song. So let's, let's call people out on BS here. It's BS if you are mad about Megan Rapino not having her hand over her heart and singing the anthem. What you're mad about, really, is her stance in the past and that she knelt before and what she believes politically, and you're taking it out on the fact that she has does not have her hand over her heart and the fact that she is uh, that that she's not singing the song. You wouldn't notice if you didn't have the past information. Nobody would. Nobody would notice if she wasn't good. You know what I mean? Like, if this was just some some girl at the end of the bench of the U.S. national team doing all this stuff, it never would be a question. The fact that she's one of the best players in the world and she has that view is what rubs people the wrong way. That's true. And for me, it's utter lunacy for people to suggest that a person could spend so much time and effort and, and sweat equity to get to the point to be representing your country on a national team does not respect their nation. You know what I mean? Like it just it doesn't make any sense. No one would go through all the trouble just to get to that platform just to do that to 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 not, you know, put their hand over their heart and all these other things. It's people people need really need to sit back and figure out what they're hating on uh going forward in 2019. Right. right. It's people who think it's the action that that it's offending people. That's my problem. The ones that claim it's the action that's offending them more than the the than the cause, more than what her political beliefs are. That's what people are mad about, and they 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 are packing that into being mad about the fact she's not singing for the anthem or has her hand over her heart. If if she did sing the song and had her hand over her heart, the same people who are mad right now, they're going to be mad still at Megan Rapinoe and not like her because of what she said publicly. That's just the way it works. You are listening to The Drive. It's broadcast uh, live in the law offices of Timothy D. Wellborn and sponsored by our friends at Twin Peaks Restaurant, Haynes Ball Boulevard in Winston-Salem, the perfect place to watch the CONCACAF. 
Gold Cup. The U.S. getting a win last night, even though they didn't really even play that well, the men's team, in Philadelphia last night. CONCACAF! And, uh, I guess follow free agency, too. I mean, last night it was must-watch television to watch five hours of NBA uh, free agency coverage. Twin Peaks is your local sports hub, which is fitting because you're listening to the Triad Sports Hub. Twin Peaks eats drinks, scenic views. Coming up, Brian Geisinger will be in studio, and I'll tell you who my favorite is to win an NBA title next year. Keep it here on The Drive. We need to talk. 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 This is The Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. The lowest form of communication. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. Brian Geisinger of ACCSports.com joining us in studio, all-around hoops expert. We're through almost 24 hours of NBA free agency. It's really amazing how quickly guys get together with teams in order to sign. Like, teams aren't allowed to talk to these players until 6 o'clock, yet minutes, maybe not even minutes into it, BG, we already have deals done. I mean, how crazy is that, that none of these guys ever talk to each other before 6 o'clock Sunday night, and these deals just magically happen? Yeah, it is funny. I mean, like the, you know, tampering looms large always (laughs) over day one of free agency. Um, But hey, that's just, you know, the league has found, has tried to find some ways to, it seems like, in-season enforce tampering, as we saw some of the fines that Magic Johnson had over his, during his run with the Lakers. Doc Rivers. But, yeah, which was, I mean, that was, uh, and and that to me really felt misguided, the the one that Rivers uh, landed, like, you know, who wouldn't like to... You know, if you if if you're gonna find a coach of of an ex, of a team that has cap space and is interested in a free agent for talking about, hey, I'd like to sign said free agent, then like the coach just shouldn't be allowed to go on TV. Let, you let's know what go. I mean? You know, I wonder how Doc Rivers feels today. Let's go to our direct line to Doc Rivers, who I mean, you got to be pretty ticked off today to hear all this <laughs> stuff about tampering, and you're the one getting fined, Doc Rivers. You're the one, Doc Rivers. Are you there? I don't, I don't no, think, sorry, I, don't, I was swallowing oh, some yeah, you daughter, and I oh, sorry. didn't understand what was going on there. <laughs> I, thought, I thought maybe our line was disconnected to Doc Rivers. I yeah. mean, we, we pay a ton for that direct line. I was on the, I was on the phone with, with uh, Kawhi trying to make sure that he understood how important it was for us here in L.A. land, L.A. being Clipper World, for him to come and join our family, you know. But what are we going to do? I mean, I, I, LeBron's after him, so I don't know if we're going to be able to get him or not. You know, if LeBron's in the equation – we might as well just see if LeBron will come to the Clippers, but he's not going to do that either. I want to protect. I want to protect you, though, Doc. I want to protect you. You you started calling Ka- Kawhi before six o'clock last night, right, or after six o'clock last night? Uh, yes. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it might have been. Uh, Doc. Doc. Been, this yeah. is how you get in trouble, Doc. I think it was about six o two, but I, I'm not sure. His line was busy. I checked his pager. He said he couldn't get to it. I don't know. <laughs> Kawhi has a page. There's a lot of different time zones, too. You know, this can get very, very tricky. Although, I will say this, though. This was the first year they've ever had uh, the moratorium. Like, they moved up the start of the moratorium from midnight July 1 to 6 p.m. on June 31st, or, pardon me, June 30th. And I thought, A, that was a lot better. It allowed for them to make an easy made-for-television event, which ESPN handled with the jump, which was great, too. And I don't think there's a coincidence that there was a flurry of free agent signings and stuff like that on day one. In years past, this stuff dragged out over the course of the next week, and basically all we're waiting on now is for the aforementioned Kawhi Leonard to to pick a landing spot. Danny Green will follow, and like for the most part, free agency, at least in terms of the big names, is sort of done after that. I, I know you got some things to do. You're probably pretty busy, Doc Rivers. Thanks for doing this. Hey, if you see if you see Kawhi in the next two days, uh huh, just let him know it's not all on Blake. Okay, it's not all on Blake. There's other guys on the team that have to pull their part too, and I can't blame Blake for everything. Okay, Chris got to do his part. I'll talk to you later. I'm Doc Rivers. Okay, thank you. Uh, I'm looking at these rosters right now. I love what Utah's done the last, really, the mm-hmm. last few weeks with Mike Conley being acquired and getting Bogdanovich. I, I, I love what what they look like presently. But I still go. I still keep going back to the Golden State Warriors. I put together a Kawhi Lakers mm-hmm. list and a Kawhi Raptors list of mm-hmm. the best teams in the NBA. If 
to, spoiler alert, if Kawhi is a Laker, they're the favorite to win it all. Could say the same thing with him going to the the Raptors too. Probably you think you think they're the favorite if they if he goes back to the Raptors. I think yeah, because I think Danny Green would follow him to Toronto. Back and they to already Toronto. got Mark Gasol. They got Gasol back. Lowry, Siakam, a year better. Van Vliet. I mean, it's the same. It's the same cast that they had this past year. Um, so yeah, I think the, and I think the the East provides a, a a far cleaner path to the title than the West, which is going to be pretty rough and tumble next season. If Kawhi chooses to go to the Lakers, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, have we ever seen three top five players on the same team before? It prob- no, I mean, no, we have not, to answer your question. Wow. I mean, you know, Golden State, I guess, got close at times, but at, at no point were Draymond and Clay top five players, right? Same with as great as Chris Bosh was in Miami, same thing there too. So yeah, no, this would be unique. Um, it would just be the secondary pieces around them in Los Angeles likely wouldn't be as good as what we saw around Steph, KD, Draymond, and, and Clay, um, especially those first two years in the Bay. But like, if Kawhi does go back to Toronto and Danny Green follows, the Lakers have th- have three guys under contract. They have some cap space, but basically like the the market for guys that they would use to fill out a roster with, like it kind of is dried up, man. Like if Danny Green follows Kawhi, and so if he's off the board, you've Pat Beverly's gone. You've lost out on on so many Austin Rivers off the board. I mean, there have been so many three and D guys. Trevor Ariza, I could keep listing Pat names. Beverly. Exactly that that like guys that they would have used to build a construct a roster around LeBron and AD. Those guys are gone. So, like, the Lakers really, really, really... Like, this was a timing thing with them, and they really need to find a way to get Kawhi Leonard to, to come to L.A. If not, uh, they're going to have to get awfully creative um, assembling a roster around AD and LeBron. Golden State landed D'Angelo Russell late last night. We're still trying to figure out the details of the sign-and-trade. Mm-hmm. Golden State's still my favorite to win next year's title if, if Kawhi chooses to play back in Toronto. I have Warriors 1, Raptors 2 at the very top, the two finalists from this past mm-hmm. year. I still trust Steph and Draymond to get Golden State to the playoffs. Clay will be back at some right. point, too. I can't think of somebody we underestimate more than Steph Curry. People who are suggesting this isn't going to be a playoff team without Clay or KD on the roster. I get how tough the West is, it's but that is, still, that is still one uh, of the best shooters, if not the best in NBA history. He is the best in NBA history, and, and that guy's still a top you know, three, four player in the world, period. Like, Steph is that. Steph is that good and that impactful. Um, it's disrespectful to suggest they don't get to the playoffs if, uh, even without uh, yeah. Clay in the run. If you uh, want to make that argument, you've really got to hammer home the depth of the league and you've really got to undervalue D'Angelo Russell and you've really got to, like, be uncertain of as to where Clay Thompson, when he's going to come back and how good he'll be when he does come back. But, like, short of that, if you're just spitballing and saying, like, they're not going to make the playoffs because of, like, you know, because of no KD. No, no, no. Like, you're missing the point. But um, I'll say this about uh, D'Angelo Russell. I'm not crazy about Russell. Uh, I, I think for a guy who's perceived to be elite and to be an all-star, it, he's definitely a good player. He's a young player. He still should be getting better. But, you know, he made an all-star roster in a watered-down Eastern Conference. Yes. That bumped up his value. One of the reasons why he made that roster, roster was because he just got inexplicably hot from a couple areas on the court, specifically shooting contested floaters. He was like over 50% for like the six to eight weeks leading into the All-Star break. He doesn't get to the rim. He doesn't get to the free throw line. He's a good three-point shooter, but not a great off-ball mover. Um, So I think all of those things have sort of like, and he's a negative defensively. I think a lot of those things have inflated his offensive value. Um, I think anyone can look good, fit next to Curry who's the ultimate gravity guy in the NBA, and Draymond Green, who's one of the league's uh, you know top front-court playmakers. But I don't think the fit with Russell is super clean. You know, He runs a lot of pick-and-roll. Golden State doesn't run a lot of pick-and-roll unless it's Curry. And he plays no defense. He's not super long and versatile. They ran more pick-and-roll without KD in the lineup. You're right, you're right. Yeah, I mean, in the playoffs against the Raptors especially, they tried to go to, and against the Blazers, they tried to run a lot of Curry, Draymond, pick and roll, which is like, you know, one of the best plays in all of basketball, seriously. But uh, what I will be curious to see with Russell is if they use him, and, and he was, by the way, he was costly too. Like, it's going to be a protected first-round pick to Brooklyn. They're out a lightly protected first-round pick uh, that's going to be, you know, being conveyed to Memphis years from now when uh when 
Curry and, and Draymond are past their primes. And you lose out a guy like Iguodala, who doesn't really play much in the regular season, but matters from a culture standpoint, a defensive standpoint. Offensively, a guy always making the extra pass, a connector. That's not really what Russell does. Um, and there's just not a lot of like wing depth behind him to sort of like soak up those minutes. Golden State was clearly, was clearly uh, anxious to find some sort of scoring star talent to replace Durant as they move into this new arena and as Curry and Draymond are still in their prime. So I get, I get the notion of contend now, contend now. This is your this is your window. Um, and, and Russell was really the only guy that could be available to them because they didn't have cap space, so they had to work out with this sign-and-trade. But just the one thing I want to get in here, I think it would be fascinating to see if Russell becomes a trade chip for them going into the deadline. And let's say, hypothetically, they could turn to Minnesota, a team that was connected to Russell, yes. and say, hey, uh, and this is assuming the Timberwolves re-signed Tyus Jones, too. Um, they could say, hey, how about Robert Covington and Tyus Jones for D'Angelo Russell? Now, that is a roster I would actually prefer to see Golden State with. Healthy Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Robert Covington, Tyus Jones, Draymond Green, Center X. That is the team that would actually excite me more than D'Angelo Russell trying to fit in next to Draymond Green and Steph Curry. I'm not that concerned about Clay Thompson, his health. We see so many knee injuries and... Ligaments heal. Yeah, ligaments heal, and it's not going to be immediate. Mm -hmm. He'll come back in late February, mid-March maybe, and six or seven weeks... it probably take four or five weeks for him to get back to full strength, which means you need to get into the playoffs, Mm -hmm. and you need to get to the get past the first round, essentially, for Clay in order to get back to full strength. I believe the Warriors can do that, Mm -hmm. and because of that, I still have them as the favorite to win next year's title. You like the Raptors if Kawhi goes back to Toronto. Right. How far down is Golden State on your list? Ooh, it's just it's so tough without again, assuming Thompson comes back, right? Uh, they're high. Like they're they're certainly one of these, you know, like a top four, top five favorite because as we as we well know, even though it's been a couple of years, like a nucleus of Draymond Green, Steph Curry, and Clay Thompson's really, really good and can win a championship. It's just where are the where Unless they are able to swing a deal with Russell of something for, of, of some note, where's the depth? So who's who's let, playing center for this roster right right point. now? I have no idea who's playing. Like, center. like adding adding Russell is gonna, could very well cost them Kevon Looney, who is an important player. It could cost them Jordan Bell. Like they, I don't know who's playing center for this roster. I don't know where their wing depth is. Like they're just they got lots of holes. But I trust in Curry and Draymond. So yeah, I would say like they're a top five. They're in that top five favorite to give win me. League. Give I'm just gonna give me a one word answer. I'm just going to say two teams. You tell me which roster you like more right now. Warriors or Jazz? Who? Warriors. I mean, they, they have the best player. Okay. Uh, Warriors or Sixers? Mm. Uh, Warriors. Who's the best shooter on the Philadelphia Sixers? So, well, Tobias Harris or Josh Richardson? Assuming that, you know, there'd be, obviously this like sign-in trade has been a little murky. But t- both those both those guys are great shooters. They're not J.J. Redick in terms of how they move without the ball. But I actually think the bigger issue for the 76ers is where's their off-the-dribble creation now? Like, they need Ben Simmons to make a huge step forward for them next season. They have a lot of questions. They're going to be elite defensively good. Don't know, like, when you need to get a bucket at the end of the game, who are you, like? what's the plan like Simmons doesn't have a pull-up shot I just I like Ben Simmons but um I'm curious to see like what their offense looks like next looks like without Reddick's gravity and without Butler's shot creation two more without Kawhi on the Lakers Lakers or Warriors Lakers and two top five players Houston or Portland hmm oh god well I'll say Houston, but the caveat here is it depends what Portland does with Hassan Whiteside, right? So they traded for him today. Right, because they don't know how, when Nurkic is going to be back. Nurkic will be back. So I'm not a big Whiteside fan, and I'm not going to go uh, – I don't need to list all the reasons <laughs> why, despite his Dwight Howard levels of delusion for how he needs to be used Oof. offensively. Oof. But uh, – how about uh, – I saw this as something that Zach Lowe floated in a column last night, like finding a way to get Kevin Love to Portland. Now, that is something that would fascinate me. And if Whiteside, who's an expiring contract and is a big salary that you could use to help try to match salary with the Cavaliers and stuff like that, now that would intrigue me as a possibility. Now, if you get Kevin Love there, let him play center, and then when Nurkic comes back, you let Love vacillate between the four and five. Now, that I like. 
please. They don't need Kevin Love. They've got Nasir Little and Jalen Horde. <laughs> Follow BG on Twitter at BGuys Bird. Oh, yes, and Rodney Hood. On the way, the best sounds in sports and the saddest reality you don't want to hear about regarding Kimba Walker. This is the Sports Hub. You're on the drive. Here we go. You're on the drive with Josh Graham, the yeah. Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Brian Geisinger hanging out from accsports.com. Adam Amin of ESPN covers the NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball. And I was listening to him on the air last night as the Braves were facing the New York Mets. And I'm all in on this Braves team. Ronald Acuna Jr., he had a home run that I believe is the most satisfying-sounding home run this year and maybe just in recent memory. It has me thinking of what the best sounds in sports are. Mm-hmm. Just just listen to this crack of the bat last night. Adam Amin was calling this game from ESPN, which is why I was thinking about this, and we'll have Adam on the show today. But uh, he, here was the Ronald Acuna Jr. home run from last night. There's that right center field Woo. swing you were talking about, <laughs> and it is gone. All, all I want... All I want is just that crack of the bat because it is as purely mm-hmm. it, it is a beautiful sound in sports. This sound is as good of a sound you will ever hear. Ah, the dude's bat skills are ridiculous. It's great, absolutely ridiculous. But if we're thinking about best sounds in sports, what immediately comes to mind? Tweet us at Sports Hub Triad. 336-777-1600. We pulled a couple of sounds. Des, just give me another one. Give me another satisfying sports sound. Mm, yeah. A swish. A Steph Curry swish is like the ultimate swish, yes. just in general. I mean, this sound right here, it's just beautiful. I was going to say what? the same thing, Brian, that Steph Curry or Clay Thompson, like, I call it water, like, when, it, yeah. when it's up in the air and it goes Wait, in like that. But do you know the best part about a basketball swish is? The way it sounds, you can tell a couple of things. One, if it's a metal net or just a nylon net. Both are great. Mm. You can tell how many people are in the gym. It's kind of like when you hear audio, you can tell if it's a hollow room, if it's Mm. a big room. Like that right there, I can tell it's a nylon net and it's in an empty gym, which I'd argue those two elements, nylon net, empty gym, make for the best basketball swish sound. Yeah, actually, you're right. I didn't even catch that. Yeah, the reverb going on there. Yeah, you know, if, if there's 10,000 Cameron Crazy screaming, you're not going to hear that swish. You need, like, the Zion Williamson, like, like mega boom dunk to, like, actually hear, mm. like, the rim rattling. Like, and I would nominate that, actually, as one of the other better sounds in sports. Like, the, the power dunk by, you know, one of the, like, the elite LeBron, Giannis, Zion types that you could hear above the roar of the crowd is also, like, an elite sports Do sound. Do you think this swish, this swish here of a nylon net, Sounds better than a swish, say with like a metal mm. net or like with, you know what I'm talking about. You I think go the to chain the local outside the chain net. I think the chain net is actually a sounds a little bit better. It is sounds it, a little less pleasant though. Really? See, I think I kind of like it. it's a little grittier. Yeah. There's a little more. Um, I feel like there's a little more like uh, character. The, there's just it's just <laughs> it's uh it's more I, yeah I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. It's just sort of a sound that's going in a couple different direct. This the swish on a on a nylon net is unified. It is a splash. The metal chain it's like it's going in like ten different directions at the same time, and I sort of like that chaotic nature of it. Getting this message via email when you hit a golf ball, the sound when you hit a golf ball, one of mm-hmm. the best in sports. See if we have that really quick. Oh, wow. Wow, let me so hear that nice. again. Let me hear that one more time. Man, that you know you hit it clean Flush there. Oh, he's suggesting it's when the ball hits the bottom of the cup, mm. though, maybe. But just hitting the ball, this right here is, is as good as it gets, I think. It sounds like an iron. I don't think that's, I don't think that's uh, a driver. I think it's maybe like a nine iron that mm-hmm. he's hitting here. Hmm. I'll, can I nominate one more? What else you got? So I was at a uh, Durham Bulls game last week, and I was next to the Norfolk Tides bullpen. Honestly, just hearing the catcher's mitt pop 
is like it is that is a satisfying snap too that I really like oh, a lot. But it has to be like a fastball. Yeah, right. Yeah, no off speed. I'm talking like 90 miles per hour plus on the heater. But the pop of the mitt is a is a wonderful sound. Man, these are all very good. Three three six seven 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 one six hundred on Twitter at Sports Hub Triad. Des, if you have any other sounds you care to nominate, feel free to do so. I mean, out of those three or four that you've brought up that we've brought up here basketball is it's going to be tough to beat we're biased in that mm-hmm. being in north carolina mm. yeah i'm going swish in the empty gym let me let me hear the three that we've played so far back to back to back let's start with the baseball crack of the bat okay then we have the basketball swish nylon net swish Hmm. Yeah. Golf swing. That's tough. I do have one I want to nominate, and it's back in basketball again. It's uh, all right. Well, just 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 play it for us, and then we will all know what it is. Is it just the basketball being dribbled? Yeah, about a bouncing basketball. Like it's, mm-hmm. it has like its own kind of. Uh, it has a little bit of reverb to it too. You, can we you agree? Can hear the air. If we're going bad sounds, the screeching of sneakers not a good sound. Hmm. Uh, it's it's. I mean, we love basketball, but it's not yeah. a very pleasant sound. That's yeah, never, I know what you mean. That's never really bothered me. It does bother me when I watch it on TV and I mistake it for a whistle because that happens sometimes nowadays. We, with we the way all grow found. accustomed to the sneaker sound. Have you ever taken someone who doesn't watch basketball to a basketball game? That's the thing that bothers them most. We just grow accustomed to it because that's just the part of doing business when you go to a game. That's the way I see it. Yes, yes, BG. Um, so actually, I like the sound of sneakers, but uh, only because I remember when I was in when I was uh, in high school writing sports for my high school newspaper. I used to write these very like. Uh, cliched articles at the start of basketball season about the sneakers scratching up and down the court. And so I fondly and biasedly enjoy that sound because it makes me think of the start of basketball season, which is a wonderful time of the year. Uh, Inter- uh, Aaron, what, what do you think is the best out of the bunch that we've suggested so far? So far that we suggested, um, I actually like the sound of the uh, the wooden bat, but I actually just showed wow. a... Uh, video here yeah we got one more uh for nomination here all right and i'll right, give it to me this is actually probably not even like cool anymore but we're gonna go ahead and give them go. oh is, are, are these players running into each other playing Foot- football yes no, the, the, the pads, the pads yeah. are popping ah oh gosh yeah i'm not <laughs> sure if that's pleasant yeah it depends. Very I say, it's not really pleasant. But I love that sound. There's a deep down feeling amongst all of us that love football, even though we're not supposed to cheer for those kind of hits anymore. We love those kind of hits. What are you talking about? You you want pads on pad? Some like these, that's some clean. Of these, some of these are helmets on helmet. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Are, some of these are like a little pleasant. disturbing. Yeah. yeah. God, there's an NBA headline that I'm sure a lot of people are going to react to that just came down. It's not free agency news. Golden State is retiring Kevin Durant's number 35. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that, just came, that just came down wow. via Warriors PR. What? No other Golden State Warrior will ever wear 35 again. You know It's what, been retired. You know what that is? That's guilt. That's what that is. That is pure 110% guilt. My man played there two years. Three years. Do they have UNC, is UNC basketball making those decisions for them on jerseys that can be honored nope. and retired? Hey. No, no, no other Blue Devil will ever wear Zion's number one ever again <laughs> with the same. <laughs> hey, thank you. Uh, how, how it do, baby? Hey, hey, Kevin Durant, how it do, baby? Wow, bro. Hey, well, what's up, Kobe? Know, it's good to see you. You are listening to WSJS, Winston-Salem, WCOG Greensboro, WPCM Burlington, WMFR High Point. This is the Triad Sports Hub. I'm not a doer or a thinker. I'm more of a talker. You're on the drive with Josh Graham, the, the Sports, Sports Hub, Hub, at AM 600, AM 920. Adam Amin of ESPN. 
a, a jack of all trades in broadcasting, one of our favorites to catch up with. At this time last year, he was preparing to broadcast on television the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest in Coney Island. Last night, I was watching a little bit of baseball and catching some on the radio while driving around the Atlanta Braves and the New York Mets, and Adam was doing that game. But when I got back into my apartment to watch some of this Sunday night game, I, I before we get to the basketball, Adam, I want to address this during the game. Ronald Acuna Jr. hit the home run for the Braves to opposite field, and I believe him going yard here is the most satisfying-sounding home run I've heard in a long time among great sports sounds. Here's how that home run sounded from Okuna. There's that right center field swing you were talking about, and it is gone. Yeah. Just the crack of the bat, him hitting it yard. I mean, it just sounds different. We hear the expression, Adam. It sounds different coming off some players' bats. That would be the definition of that, yes? I, that's what it felt like last night, too. Uh, and I've got a chance to see Acuna play in person a couple of times now. And, man, that guy that guy gets pushed off the plate. That guy sees a myriad of pitches. Guys are trying so hard to get this guy out. And, listen, he's going to find a slump at some point. He's 21 years old. People are going to adjust to him at some point. But the, his swing right now might be the most fun swing to watch in baseball. When, when he comes to the plate... He's quickly turning into must-see television, and I just, I love the flair. I love the jewelry. Uh, I love his attitude. I like how he goes about his business. I think he plays the game really well. I'm a fan. He's turned me into a fan very fast over the course Did, of the last uh, about calendar year or so. Des, give me just the crack of the bat one more time, what it sounded like when bat met baseball in, uh, in City Field. Oh, just a great sound. Uh, how does awesome, that stack yeah. up? How does it just, how does it, in terms of sports sound, stack up with, say, this one right here when you're in an empty basketball gym? This sound. Oh. I still like the bat crack a little bit more. When it, when you, cause, cause some nights, you just, some swings, you just know, you know, when it's going. Like, and, and we see such good shooting, uh, in the NBA right now in terms, and I know part of it is just volume, but like, James Harden knocking on a step back three, like the sound is cool. It's, it's still, I don't think, I don't think beats. Just the perfect contact on a swing for a home run. All right, so we're still going home run swing from Ronald Acuna Jr. If we're going to the links, if we're talking about golf, how does this sound stack up? Oh, it's just hit so clean. It sounds like an iron shot, too. One more time. Adam, your thoughts? Uh, I, I, I mean, I love it. Don't get me wrong, but I just there's something about the impact of of you know a ball traveling 400. You know, when, it, when the swing sounds good, because it looks pretty, it sounds good, the reaction is grander, so I still feel like that's that's the front runner. Adam Amina of ESPN with us, getting to the <laughs> basketball now. Um, when, when I'm trying to figure out the right chords to strike, talking about Hornets fans and what's happening with Kimba Walker, mm-hmm. talking to Hornets fans, because... The Hornets had awful contracts. We know that. When you have $82 million tied up into Zeller, Biombo, Marvin Williams, and Nick Batum, among others, that's, that's not a good situation to be in. But there's another team that had worse contracts than the Hornets did and is run by an NBA legend, too, that made moves yesterday. Talking about the Miami Heat getting Jimmy Butler and getting guys from Portland as well and moving off the Hassan Whiteside contract. When you see the Hornets lose the franchise's best player and get nothing in return for it and still are in an awful situation, you give $60 million, essentially, three years of Terry Rozier, how is it you think Hornets fans should feel today? You know, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. I don't feel good if, if I'm a Hornets fan right now. Uh, just based on, I mean, look at the level of movement that we saw. You know, it's, it's like showing up. You remember that scene in the, in that one Simpsons episode when Bart decides to play hooky from school for a little bit, and he's like testing Millhouse, and Millhouse <laughs> like, we have to go, we have to go right now, and he goes and. Bart shows up and realizes that it was time to sign up for like which sport you wanted to do that year, and he ends up on ballet because of it. Like that's what it feels like right now with the Hornets. They to me feel like Bart Simpson walking into the gym and going, "Oh no, I forgot today was the day to sign up for this." Because there was so much movement 
throughout the entire league. I mean, the league has shifted dramatically. Charlotte was a team that was in the playoff chase like a Brooklyn, like a Miami. And now all of a sudden we're talking about Brooklyn and Miami as potential top four seeds in the conference based off one draft and one free agent run. And the Hornets just feel like they missed out. Now, listen, mathematically, somebody's going to have to miss out. The Bulls didn't. I'm just saying this because I'm in Chicago. The Bulls didn't do anything spectacular, but they went out and got better. And that's at the very least in a mathematics and numbers game. Not everybody is going to come out on top. And I know because of the volume of movement, we're thinking everybody's suddenly better. That's not necessarily the case. When you get better, somebody's got to get worse. And I think the Hornets just ended up with the short end of the stick. Do I think you can recover from this? Absolutely. A year a year from now, we're going to be having very similar talks, maybe not as drastic as what we just saw in the last two days, but we're going to have similar talks. You can recover from this, but it's not fun to be a Hornet fan. Right Kyrie Irving leads leaves to the Nets along with Kevin Durant, but looking at the place Kimba Walker is arriving, Al Horford's no longer there as he's going to Philadelphia. There's a report from earlier today that the Celtics are signing Ennis Cantor. If that is the case, do you believe the Celtics upgraded their roster with Kimba in the place of Kyrie and there being no longer Al Horford in that room? Yeah, the, the Horford loss is actually one of the ones I think is more important, frankly. Um, I think in modern NBA, Al might be a top three center based on today's NBA. Maybe, you know, maybe that, that's diminished a little bit in the last year or two seasons, but Horford's passing ability in that offense is so essential to what Boston was able to do. I think that's maybe one of the bigger losses, but... Yes. Do I think with Kyrie gone and Walker coming in with that current mix of guys, you know, the Jalen Browns, Jason Tatum's, uh, Marcus Smart, that core, along with Gordon Hayward, I think that's a pretty good-looking roster in all honesty. And one of the things I remember you and I talked about this, Josh, maybe a year ago, uh, Mm -hmm. maybe 14, 15 months ago, about how Boston, just because they were getting Kyrie and Gordon Hayward healthy back, for this past season doesn't mean that they were necessarily going to be better or make a deeper run. Part of the reason they were so good when they pushed Cleveland to seven games in the conference finals two seasons ago is because they didn't have so much traffic on their bench. You know, they had like a, a defined role for a lot of different guys. And maybe, maybe with Bad Stevens, you know, Carson Edwards is now on the Celtics after this past draft. I'm just walking around in Chicago, so if you're random buses and trains, that's what you're hearing. But I mean, it's a wonderful I feel sound. Like that year, <laughs> exactly. I feel like that year there was role definition, and the Celtics were actually a little bit better. So I feel like maybe that can happen again this year. Would you call whatever team Kawhi Leonard chooses to sign with, whether it's by Pager, PBS broadcast, um, Carrier Pigeon, or MySpace? Would, would whatever team he selects be the prohibitive favorite in Adam Amin's mind? Man, you're saying to like win an NBA title, which which what would be the best situation? Yes. Or where do you uh, well, let's just say it's the Lakers and the Raptors right now, because if he chooses gotcha, the Raptors, yeah, yeah. that means Danny Green probably returns there, and that roster remains intact, and Pascal Siakam probably going to be better. Right. The Lakers, you have three of the top five players in the league. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair assessment. I do. Um, you know, and the fact that LeBron is saying that he's willing to take a back seat or to take a, a different role or to emphasize a different point of his skill set just to make Kawhi Leonard more of a focal point. Obviously, we know Anthony Davis is going to be touching the ball a lot more uh, in, in Los Angeles. So, yeah, I think, I think so. Just because by sheer talent alone, you're looking at depth of roster, depth of lineup, depth of scoring. I mean, we're looking at three of the top 15 scorers, maybe, three of the top 12 scorers in the NBA, along with various other points of the skill set. So, yeah, wherever wherever Kawhi goes, probably that team is the prohibitive favorite because, like you said, aptly pointed out too, Josh, there's going to be a domino effect to that with some of the key role pieces around Kawhi. Noted city-goer Adam Amin of ESPN with us here on The Drive. It's, it's glorious background sound in addition to the great sounds we just talked about in sports a few moments ago. And I think you're the perfect person to answer this next question because you cover all different kinds of sports. College football, college basketball, NFL, NBA, softball, you name it. 
But last year, you did the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest on television uh, in Coney Island on um, on national TV the 4th of July. Now that we're going to watch it all later this week once again, give me a sense for what the atmosphere is like there and how it's different. Yeah, I mean, when you pack in 30,000 people into a relatively small and confined space, I think naturally you're going to feel a little bit of a buzz and you're going to feel some electricity. And that, that really is for, especially during those introductions, man, George Shea really brings the heat on those, uh, on those introductions of all the competitors. And when that happens, like when he opens the show with this like sermon and he's, you know, being elevated above Coney Island in like a, a, a cherry, a cherry picker. I mean, it's awesome. It's a great, different, unique experience that you just don't get in a lot of other spots and you don't, and, and not in Obviously, college football with 100,000 people, an NFL game in Seattle or New Orleans, NBA in Oakland, whatever. I think it's all great stuff, but it's just cool to be in a different setting, but to have a, a feel that still makes it feel like a big sporting event, even though it may not be a traditional sporting event in the eyes of a general populace. The, the tallest competitive eater, you will enjoy this, Adam, uh, is his name is Gideon OG. He's from North Carolina. Uh, he is the tallest athlete to ever compete in major league eating in the upper echelons of that. He actually, once upon a time, this is the proudest honor he had. In addition to being the corn-eating champion, he also beat Josh Graham once upon a time in a homecoming court. <laughs> Did you guys go to so you guys went to high school together? We, we went to high school together. He beat me in a homecoming court, if you could believe that. That's incredible. That is incredible. Wow. And this is, see, this is good stuff. This is inside information that you can't get anywhere else. <laughs> That's right. Adam, uh, en- enjoy the city. It's good to hear your voice. Hope you're enjoying your summer. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, Josh. I appreciate it. You got it. That's Adam Amin of ESPN. I can't believe I lost that. I, I still hold it against him, Des, to this very day that six foot nine basketball star Gideon OG beat me in, in the homecoming court. Yeah. Were you in the homecoming court? No, I wasn't in the homecoming court. Nah, I, I was. I was definitely the third and weakest link out of the three. <laughs> See, I was. At least you're here was here was my here was my strategy when it came to popularity in high school. Like I was the guy who wasn't very popular, but I fit into every group. I was a chameleon, a social chameleon. I, no, nobody hated me. So I, when I was the third, when I was the third of probably three, the three finalists here for, for the homecoming court, it was only because any other person that would be up for it had a group of people that probably hated their guts. Nobody hated me, right? It's kind of like Kimba Walker a little bit, isn't it? Where, okay, who who hates Kimba Walker? Who has a real issue with Kimba? No, nobody's out here saying, oh man, screw Kimba Walker. Except maybe pit basketball fans. You think they haven't still forgiven mad? him? Oh yeah, still. Wow, it's been like nine years. <laughs> Probably. I wouldn't hold it against them if that's true. I mean, God. but uh, yeah, I, I, I'd like to think I finished second. I'd like to think there was some Russian interference in in the voting. <laughs> what? This guy, this guy beating me. But in reality, he was the basketball star who was six nine. Where is he at today? Have you kept up with him? Competitive eater, man. Competitive eater, really? Were you not listening? I didn't hear this, that part. No, <laughs> this guy, this guy was in the hot dog eating contest. What? Wow! This is me, me, and Adam. You know, we were just having this conversation <laughs> where we were talking about the fact that this guy was in the hot dog eating contest and beat me. I was, I was doing other things while while that was going on. But uh, was Aaron, he, was can you good? believe this? Was he Aaron? Good? Can you believe this? I can't actually. <laughs> <laughs> Am I crazy here? <laughs> should I should I be bothered by this? Uh, you could, or you could just—it's it's yeah, almost just let it go. almost time for the show. This guy, to be over. this guy was—he won the corn eating contest. This is corn. how other people get qualified for the event. Yeah, you're 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 great in other events. He downed fifty-seven ears of corn in twelve minutes. How do you? How do you? What? How do you? How do you like? That's uh, how we qualify for the hot dog eating contest. How many ears He's of six corn nine. You, think you can down in twelve minutes, this Ears of corn? Yeah. I don't know. Four. <laughs> twelve minutes. It's like yeah. he's just inhaling corn kernels at that point. It's gotta he be did two hundred. He did two hundred <laughs> wings. Two hundred wings in ten minutes. Two hundred wings in ten. If they're not hot, 
Too I'm motivated? I'd assume not. I could Two, probably that's get, what he did. Mm, 200 wings in 10 minutes. I could probably get through maybe 50. Man, you're gonna be spending some time with some porcelain after that. <laughs> my man, <laughs> my so man Gideon, it. also the winner of the first ever kale eating championships. Who does that? <laughs> Wait, who Major does League that? Eaters does. Wow, kale, kale There's competition eating for kale. I've, I've pretty much heard everything. That's probably really hard. Brant Wilkerson knew is going to be in studio tomorrow, <laughs> which God knows what direction that's going to go in from the Greensboro News and Record. I heard he was on this show last week while I was filling in just talking trash about um, me for no reason. This is what I heard. I always hear it secondhand. I'm off doing something. I'm getting a bunch of texts about Steve Spurrier and Brant Wilkerson New. <laughs> he did. I think he was on a couple of times. He, I know he was on Saturday with me on the rundown. I don't remember him giving you any... Uh... Any uh any lip or anything like that? He, he, may have been he said something about well. me being drunk after two Coors Lights. I think was the expression. That, that, ah! that wasn't with me. That was with someone else. Uh, but hmm. <laughs> two Coors Lights, huh? Yeah, we'll get to the bottom. Two of that. Coors Lights and eight wings. <laughs> about it. <laughs> we'll, we'll get we'll get to the bottom of a number of these things, and uh, we hope to catch up with Bob Ryan tomorrow. David Glenn will be on tomorrow's show. Uh, a lot of fun going to be had tomorrow, but we have orders of business to take care of here, specifically one order. That's Take It to the House. Des, what do you got in Take It to the House? I have news on two separate movies, some casting notes. Uh, One of them you'll be very interested in. It is a Disney live-action remake. Do you have the hip-hop air horn ready to go? Uh, Paul tweets in, that air horn sound effect is more annoying than Josh Graham. Oh, really? (laughs) You're welcome. We take it to the house next.